BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate. What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Still Curtain Podcast. My name is Shane Kubis. I'll be your host today, contributor Still Curtain. Normally joining me is my, my main host, Tommy Jagai, also stillcurtain.com. But instead, we have a visitor from the other side of the aisle for this week for the Bengals game, uh, Lee Olzak, a writer for the uh, – I'm sorry, what was it again for the – Stripe Hype. That's right, Stripe Hype. I always forget that because I do check you guys out, but not as much as I probably should considering we play each other two times a, a year. But – we're going to jump right into it today. Uh, unfortunately, Tommy is out, like I said, because he had his sixth child. I'm sure he doesn't mind me saying that. He's very proud of his kids, as he should be. But hopefully we'll have him back in the next few weeks. But definitely good that he's taking care of that. But we do have the Bengals coming up here, Lee. And I know that you cover the Chiefs as well. You taught you It's your favorite team. But you do cover the Bengals for us with fan-sided. So I want to get your insight on that game. And also talk about some of the things with the Steelers. You're going to help me out with that a little bit, get your insight from the other side of the aisle there. Hey. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll do our best there. First thing I want to talk about here, some trending Steelers news. Let's get into that here first. And actually, there's a couple comments I want to get to because we already have a few here uh, from our typical friend here, R. Barley18. Uh, he always likes to chime in here. Um, this was talking about some news we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, this was completely useless unless a quarterback change was coming as well. Same system, same design. Plays can still only be called to hide Kenny's weaknesses and only more excuses for Kenny chances. So this is, an, is, a, is a comment around the fact that Matt Canada has been fired by the Steelers. We'll talk about that a little bit here. We'll get your thoughts on that here too, Lee. But I do understand where you're coming from. Um, it, it is something where the quarterback play has been an issue just as much as Canada has been recently, at least in my opinion. We've talked about that on the show as well before too. 
but we'll so we'll we'll spend some time on that here a little bit. So stick around for that. Uh, let's start though with the Steelers' loss versus the Browns. So I know that you said you felt like this was kind of a typical Steelers game before we got on Lee, and I have to agree with you. This is what the Steelers do. They they play close games, and usually they win them. They're six zero going into this game in one score games, but finally lost one as they should. You know you're not going to go perfect in all your one score games. Uh, overall, though, from what you did see about the game and just in general the situation, how did you feel about this loss for the Steelers? It was it was a winnable game. All these that they've managed to eke out, they've they've come back after falling behind usually. But it feels like they're always down like ten nothing, thirteen nothing, and then they have these crazy plays where they're able to just get right back in it and win in the final few minutes. And this time the Browns, who are also very similar in that their defense is good, but their offense is lackluster. Just were the luckier team on Sunday. Yeah, and it kind of felt like that was the way the game was going. You know, we were down 10 nothing at halftime. We come back to make it 10-all, and we just couldn't finish it out at the end of the game, which is something that Kenny has specifically been really good at throughout his career at the Steelers. You know, seven fourth-quarter comebacks, most second most, I believe, since he got into the league. It just didn't happen in this game. And that's kind of part of the reason that I think Matt Canada isn't employed anymore, and it's also why there's a lot of questions about him as the quarterback. Uh, but I do want to talk about some winners and losers real quick, too, because obviously I know you didn't watch the full game, I'm sure. So I'll kind of handle that for the most part. But the loser I'll start with is, is really Matt Canada now and Kenny Pickett, right? The passing game was a complete mess. It was his least productive day as a starting quarterback. And I actually want to start with that here, too. He, as a full starter in a game, so he's had some games where he threw for less than the yards he threw in this game, but he always left that game early or was inserted later, you know, whatever. This was just dreadful. I mean, just barely 100 passing yards on, you know, 20-plus attempts. It'd be one thing if he threw the ball 15 times. It was just one of those games. He threw the ball enough to definitely generate some yardage and just could not do it. Game plans seemed all out of whack. He said in the press conference after the game that, they had planned for a lot of man coverage, which the Browns do run with Jim Schwartz. He has a very aggressive man coverage defense. But, you know, teams know that the Steelers don't do well against zones, so why wouldn't you run more zone against them? And they didn't seem to game plan for that. So that kind of all falls back on Matt Canada as the play caller. Didn't have his guys ready to go against a team that has a defense like the, the, the Browns do. They've already played them once this year. They know what they're getting out of the Steelers. You have to have a different game plan than what you had going into that game, and they didn't. And I do think that's a big part of why he's no longer the, the offensive coordinator there. Yeah. Um, and I, something, too, the Browns do have a really good defense. They do. So. It's, it's the best in the league so far this year. So a poor Steelers offensive showing against a good Browns defense. Normally you wouldn't be irritated about that, but it just felt right, like right. there were so many chances that the Steelers had, especially late when the Browns defense was maybe a little more tired. Yep. And they, mm -hmm. they just didn't do anything. Uh, you know, not a Steelers fan, but just had to have been frustrating from your perspective and the fans' perspective. It, it was because especially that last drive that they had before the Browns went and won it with a field goal, they they wasted a whole 20-some seconds on three passes that didn't get completed. And you, you cannot give them, even with a backup quarterback that's a rookie. A third-string quarterback. Really, yeah, <laughs> technically, yeah, at this point. But – you cannot give him the ball with that little time left and make your defense go get another stop whenever you've yeah. already shut them out in the second half. And that's what they did. And they deserve to lose. And that's ultimately what happened. I'm, I'm hoping that they learned their lesson a little bit because they already did make one huge move that was long overdue. But again, I don't want to point out just losers, though. There was one huge winner, and I'll kind of get into that with this next point. Jalen Warren's career day was wasted. 
This is a guy who <laughs> is an undrafted player coming into the season last year, did w- enough in, in preseason to get onto the team, was really the most effective running back on a snap-by-snap basis last year. And this year, even more so. He's been one of the best running backs in the NFL in terms of every metric you want to look at, you know, forced uh, yards after contact, whether it's missed tackles forced. He's up there in every single one of those metrics. And as much as I do think Najee's a good player, the fact that he outs carried him in this game is just a monstrosity. You, you can't do it. I understand, you know, he had the one long run that kind of pumped up his numbers, but he's capable of runs like that. Whereas Najee's really not. He's not going to get you that you know, 40, 50 yard run. He's been getting better at the 10, 15, 20 yard runs this year. But the lack of usage of him late in the game, especially whenever you need points, you need yards. He's the only guy getting you yards and he doesn't touch the ball in that last drive. It's just really hard to stomach that as a fan because you know what's working. Like as if you can see what is working and they seem to kind of go away from it. And I, you, you obviously as a Bengals fan, you, you guys have a lot of weapons that you, it can kind of get easy for one of them to get lost in the shuffle. But for the oh, Steelers, yeah. we really don't have that right now because the passing game isn't working. We have really one true elite weapon this year so far, at least on a snap-by-snap basis, and that is Jalen Warren. Yeah, and it's crazy too because one of those was a first-round pick, and one you said was undrafted. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you told me that, I would probably get—I'd probably have them flipped. So that's just that exactly bummer that he had such a good day and weren't able to do anything with it. it. It's unfortunate, and again, like you hope for him that he's going to be the bigger part of the offense moving forward now that the coordinators changed. And you know, I think Najee has his place. He has played well this year for the most part, but. There's, there is something, too, when you have a, a running back tandem like this, ride the hot hand. Warren clearly had it in this game, and Najee did not. It was just not his day. It's going to happen with a guy like him sometimes, especially against an aggressive front, that if you can get him hit in the backfield, he's just probably not going to be able to run away from guys like Warren can. So hoping to see that change you know, moving forward here, that there's at least more of a split in carries than there has been at times this year. But We'll see. I can't say anything for sure because even now with Matt Canada gone, I have no confidence that the, the guy who's going to be calling plays, which seems to be the quarterback coach, Mike Sullivan, who's going to handle that mostly, he doesn't have the best track record when he's called plays in the NFL a couple of times before. So I, who knows what we're going to get out of him either. Um, but let's let's spend some time on the biggest news, obviously. Matt Canada, we've already alluded to it a couple of times, finally fired. My question, and like I'll obviously you know expound on this too, but I kind of want to see your thoughts on this too. Uh, will it matter for this season? You think for the Steelers, will it change really anything significantly? Why did they do this now? Is my <laughs> is my question. Like the offense has been bad all year, and you wait until what? We're we're going into week twelve, and you just now fired him, and you did it on a Tuesday. Like I, I, it just is weird to me. Yeah, it, it just it's it's strange. I wish I had more insight on it. Um, yeah. I'm, curious to hear what what you say about it because i i saw that news this morning i was like okay feels like this should have happened like maybe a month ago uh, that's see, the they finally lost and that was their reasoning they wanted to get him out was they finally lost a game and they're like I'm out i think that that actually unfortunately is a really big reason why the change was made now and not earlier because tomlin has the sense and i think i i've said this in a lot of articles i've written i've said this on here really everywhere that I appear in any sort of fashion, Tomlin clearly has a mindset of if it's working, don't fix it, right? He will not make change for change's sake. Even if that change would have a high probability of making the team better, he doesn't want to mess with something until it's actually already broken. 
My problem is I felt like the Steelers have been broken for the past three years with him as the coordinator of this offense. So our definitions of broken are clearly different when it comes to myself <laughs> and my head coach, which obviously, I mean, he's head coach of the team and he's been one of the most successful coaches in the history of the sport. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm smarter than him per se, obviously, but I think everyone knew this, right? Like he, this was not something that was just a few people saying, oh, you know, Matt can and needs to go. The entire league it felt like if you ask any players from other teams, if you turn on college game day, there's a sign in the back that says fire Matt Canada. Like this is not this like phenomenon that just all of a sudden started this year. We've known who this guy is for a couple of years. And for it to take a game like that where your quarterback quite literally can, can do nothing, you don't use your personnel properly, even when it's working, and you lose a game to a third string quarterback that was a rookie this year, obviously, even though I do like DTR for them, just saying that, but you cannot lose that game. And I think Tomlin knew that, and I think that's why that change was made ultimately. But again, it should have been a month ago. It should have been a year ago, realistically. That's where this all comes back to is like I'm glad it happened. But I think as a Steelers fan, and I think I could speak for a lot of fans, this was something that is so long overdue that I don't even know if I can be happy about it other than the fact that I at least know he's definitely not getting another chance next year being brought back. That's the only thing I can take away from him. Like, all right, that at least makes me happy if nothing else. But yeah, so it's 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 tough. I mean, you guys obviously you're dealing with a situation now where you uh, your play calling isn't going to be the problem. It's going to be your players. I feel like for us, it is the players a little bit, but it's definitely more of the play calling ultimately. And I'm curious to see how that goes. But you know, that's something else we'll talk about a little bit later here too. Uh, real quick, I do need to go into uh, promotion here. We do have something through FanSided. If you guys see on the screen there, there is a promo code and a QR code. Uh, the Slow Curtain Podcast is running a deposit match promotion up to $100 for any new Sleeper Daily Fantasy user. Make sure you use uh, use our code FANSIDED2. Again, see on the screen there. When signing up to receive your deposit match, please remember to always game responsibly. Again, scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. So again, if you haven't played Sleeper, I use it for... My regular fantasy leagues, just as a saying, I'm, I'm not going to say that I know anything about the daily fantasy side of it because I haven't used that. But I do love the app a lot. I do think it's very functional. So definitely check that out, guys. But all right, moving forward here. <clears throat> One second here, guys. Can the Steelers bounce back and stay firmly in the AFC playoff race? That's the question that I have about this team at this point because the AFC is so loaded. Even some of the teams that are coming up the rear a little bit here. And even really, like, depending on how they play, like, we are, we talked pre-show, you're not sure about the Bengals at this point. I I don't know that in, in, a, in a year like this, right, I don't know if I can say for certain that even with Jake Browning at quarterback, which I want to get your thoughts on that here a little bit too, <laughs> is it like I just feel like all these teams are kind of in it until they're not, right? Like even the yeah. Jets kind of felt like they're in it, and that's why they made the quarterback change to Tim Boyle of all people, which well. – yeah, well, let's, let's not get carried away with the yeah, Jets. I don't think yeah, I don't think the Jets. About that. I don't think the Jets and Aaron Rodgers can say what he wants, but we're not here to talk about talk about the Jets. Um, no. I, no, I agree. The AFC is so weird because it really feels like it's not, and and even the Chiefs we saw last night, they don't have receivers that can catch the ball. Uh, <laughs> they'd love to have George Pickens. Are you kidding? Right. Like, that's, that, it just feels so wide open this year that anyone could get in there. And that's, that's what sucks. I mean, you all don't care, but for Bengals fans, that sucks because this team could have probably made a run with Burrow and now he's not there. And so it feels a little, of course they could still get in They're five and five, but but you yeah. look at, you know, the Bills are six and five. There's just there's so much. And they're not even in the playoff picture, picture right now. They'd be Not right now, no. 
it's just it's wild um i i don't see any reason why the steelers i shouldn't say that but i don't see any reason why they wouldn't get in i know <laughs> offense is bad but they're in the playoffs right now as bad as their offense has been there right now if the season ended they would be what the seventh seed they'd play, they'd yeah. play oh, that'd be fun uh but you know, it's that maybe that's why they made this change uh, and fired Canada because they said, "Oh, we can still salvage it and try to get in the postseason." Uh, I think that is what their thought process is, and I think that the reason I wanted to bring this up as a discussion topic is because I don't really have true doubts about whether they can stay in the seating for the playoffs or get to the playoffs. It's will it matter at all if they get there, right? And probably probably not, but it's a right. Weird year. That's that's the problem. And like so for me, like one of the one of the points here, and this is part of the Matt Cannon news as well, what can they do to help get the passing game going? Because at the end of the day, and you guys are gonna about to go through this probably as well, as well as a lot of other teams are, if you cannot throw the football effectively in the NFL, you probably aren't going to win big playoff games, especially. No. There's too many quarterbacks, especially in the AFC, that you have to go through that at any moment, no matter how good you think your defense is they might just not have it that day. And that quarterback might. You have to be able to have a way to go toe-to-toe with them, even if it's not, you know, I'm not saying the Steelers have to be able to go blow for blow with, with the Chiefs at full strength. I understand that's probably not going to happen. You know, granted, their their receivers might help us out a little bit, as you just alluded to, but at the end of the day, you have to be able to have a plan for if if it hits the fan, essentially. Like, if the defense can't do anything, if they can't stop anybody, what do you do offensively? And right now, the Steelers do not have an answer for that. And they have not shown any any reason for me to believe they even care to have an answer for that. And that's maybe the issue. And, and I, I'm hoping that the change in offensive coordinator, if, even if the plays are going to be the same, because they're going to be essentially the same plays. They're going to tweak some stuff. Obviously, they're going to change things up. The sequencing of plays, the route combinations on those plays, just their decision-making on, especially second down and long, that's been one of my biggest issues with this team. They love to run the ball in second and long. I don't understand the point of that because it's not like outside of the last few games that we're running the ball that well. I would understand if we're getting like seven yards a clip at like, you know, historic rates. If you want to just get a free seven yards, that's not what's happening when they do that. And they continue to run into brick walls and second down for some reason. I'm expecting that to change a little bit, but still, they need to find a way to get Pickett to a point where he can confidently hit throws, especially in the middle of the field, which has been barren for the last three years. But even if it's not in the middle of the field, just you have to be able to go to something in the passing game that he is comfortable with. They have not found that this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, offensive line play probably would help too. Um, yeah. I mean, that's getting, getting, uh, excuse me, it's been getting better, especially with Roger Jones and especially in the run game, but it's still, even as a pass blocking unit, Garrett got his. He's going to most of the time. It, outside of, of that, yeah, yeah. Outside of that, it wasn't terrible. Pickett had lanes to throw. He had lanes to run. He. he they can't blame the O line for Pickett. Not in that. Not recently. No. Okay. Not recently. I think okay. earlier in the season, I, I believe that you could give a lot of it to them, and I think it might be part of why he's not doing well now because he's afraid to stay in the pocket. But it's still not been the issue the last few weeks, especially. But. Um, this is a question that I think has been answered by the firing of Matt Cannon already, but I'll still throw it in here because I think it is worth talking about. I've toyed around with the idea of, is it worth sitting picket down? Even just to send a message of like, you aren't seeing the field right now. You are not confident right now. You need to sit down and think about what it is that you need to do with yourself personally to get yourself out of whatever rut you have right now. I don't know if this is something he can play through. That's my biggest concern. If the offensive coordinator change is what he needs, which I do think it's part of what he needs, of course, 
if if he's still not seeing the field, especially against the Bengals, like if we lose to you guys with the situation we're in right now where you're starting Jake Browning, that your defense hasn't been as good as you guys expected to. If we can't beat that beat you guys, even if, even though your guys are at home, we we I really think we have to consider sitting him down just for the sake of like giving him a reset, even if it's for a week. Because things have been so bad for him. And just like every time I watch the film, I see guys open for him to hit. And he's either not even looking at them, even though they're part of the progression, clearly. Or he does look at them and does not pull the trigger. That's the most frustrating part is if he was if he had nowhere to go, which that was the case a lot last year and early this year. It really has not been the past four or five weeks. There has been guys to hit. He simply won't throw the ball to them, and I don't know what that is. I can't explain it really because I don't see him as a quarterback that's afraid to fire the ball in there. Maybe it's the conservative nature that he's been forced to play with is kind of beaten out of all the playmaking ability that he showed as a senior in college. Whatever the reason is, they have to come up with a way to to solve that for him, and it might be this, honestly. Yeah, I I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it is, but if you sit picket. Is this kind of signaling you're ready to move on from him? That's the one issue is I don't want it to be a situation where I tell him like, hey, we're sitting you because we don't believe in you. We're sitting you because we think you need to take a minute and just breathe and think about what it is that you're having issues with. It's how you frame it to him. Any quarterback is going to take it as an insult, of course, if you bench them. I'm sure even Zach Wilson, who has somehow been even worse than Pickett this year, right? He probably knows in his head like, yeah, I suck. I should be sitting. But that's not what you want Pickett to feel because you want him to understand the reason why we made this offense coordinator change is because we have you in mind. We think you can still do this. But are you ready to do it or not? And I think at this point the question has been answered for me. He's not ready to do it right now. If he can't do it this week especially, I don't. they're not going to obviously sit him this week. If he struggles just as bad as he did against the Bengals or the Browns this past week, even with the coordinator change, even with the breath of fresh air there, I do think it's time, just for his own sake, like I said, to sit him down and see if you can kind of get his mind right outside of the field because it's currently not working on the field. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Trubisky versus Browning, everybody wants to see. I would rather have Rudolph, personally. I would rather have Rudolph in there. I've talked about that a lot on the show, too. (laughs) Trubisky is just – he's too – 
so he's two sides of the same coin. He is either entirely too conservative, and then when that doesn't work, he just starts throwing the ball into triple coverage for no reason. And I'm like, you, you, there's a middle ground that you could find there, but that's that's a whole other conversation, honestly. Uh, but I do have a couple comments here I wanted to bring up since we're talking about it. Um, yeah, Kenny wouldn't stay in the pocket in any in any of his five seasons a pit either. It's nothing new. He has zero feel for rush and, and uses his eyes for the rush, and that's the reason he's missing open targets. I do think that is a big part of it. That was on his scouting report for me coming out. I did think that his pocket awareness and his pocket presence just wasn't there. And that's something I do think you can get better at in the NFL with the right coaching. Has he had the right coaching? No. <laughs> so, like, you know, is it is it too late to develop that in him as a 25-year-old? Pro- like, the, the stats would tell you yes, and the, the historical precedents would probably tell you yes. But I am curious just to see what things actually look different with this team without Canada calling the place. It's just – it's really hard to know how any of these guys are playing or how good they can be or not be with this offense. So – We'll, we'll, we'll see more about that here soon. Uh, I want to throw this out here too. This is where I'm at with this team in general. Just to, for everyone who watches the show, you know this is where Tommy and I stand. We do believe the Steelers' defense run game are playoff worthy. The defense is still leaky, but they're very bender, don't break. They force a lot of turnovers. They're very much a, like – I like to think of them as the Saints' defense that they had when their Super Bowl run happened, whenever they weren't necessarily good but they always came away with turnovers to help the offense. This is that type of defense. And it's worked a lot this year, but in this, even against the Browns, they did let up the field goal drive. So you see there's issues there. And the run game, especially the last few weeks, has been more than playoff where it's been really one of the best run games in the league. Will it be enough if nothing else changes? I think the answer obviously is no, at least to, to win a playoff game. You might get to the playoffs this way. Because they clearly just have no way to lose games. Clearly, they they they're not going to lose more than eight games because that's not what Tomlin does. Does it matter though? Yeah, I, well said. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think it does, unfortunately. So, oh, I have oh, another one here. This will be fun. Shane with Mitch, <laughs> what's the difference between five three and outs and a thirty eight partner, ten or fifteen play drives for thirty yards and fifteen yard interceptions twice a game? Besides stats. Well, that's a good point. I just think Rudolph might be able to make that middle ground happen where you might still get a turnover here or there. You might get a couple stalled drives, but I think he's going to be more accurate generally than than Trubisky will be and better decision maker while also not being as scared in the pocket as Pickett has been. I think that he's kind of the middle ground between those two. And I don't think he would change the season, but I think if you had to go to one of those two, whether it's him or Trubisky, Mason just is going to be a better fit for what this offense is trying to be, in my opinion. So that's that's the answer to that one. But I get it. Like Mitch is more talented. He's just also not better, though. I don't think. Like that's kind of where I'm at with him. So that's yeah. If you guys are wondering about my opinions on that, I've talked about it before. Um, just so you guys know as well, um, I did want to bring this up here. It does look like I said, I mentioned this before, Mike Sullivan is going to be calling the plays and he is also going to be still being the quarterback coach, of course. And then uh, Eddie Faulkner is going to uh, help with the offense as well, the running backs coach. So he's always wanted to be an offensive coordinator. He's talked about it before. I I'm, I saw this on Twitter earlier. I'll throw this out there. I kind of hope that they don't do so good that they try to retain those two as like kind of the co-offensive coordinators. I, this team desperately needs a breath of fresh air from outside the organization. Like it's very clear that they need someone who isn't part of this organization currently to come in and just try to change things, how they run on the offense, what they want to do on offense. So yeah, hopefully they don't do too much, you know, that they actually get kept around. So 
Now, real quick here, if you guys are a fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers football and would like to support the Still Curtain podcast, please consider subscribing to the Still Curtain podcast on YouTube. We appreciate your support. All right, last topic here I want to get into with you. This is going to be the big one. This is where you definitely come in here, Lee. So oh, boy. Apologize for making me, out, making me talk about the Steelers too much here. Oh, okay. But Steelers versus Bengals, week 12 preview, this is what we're doing, right? This is why I had you on. I wanted to be able to talk about the Bengals, what's going on with them. I do follow the NFL in general, so I definitely am pretty well-versed in what's going on with the Bengals, of course, as a Steelers fan anyway. But let's talk about the odds real quick. And, and the odds have shifted a little bit definitely um, in the last you know, few days, especially <laughs> since the Burrow injury back on Thursday night. Uh, One-and-a-half point road favorites for the Steelers right now, 34-and-a-half uh, over under, which very typical. It's it's <laughs> really common for the Steelers over-unders to be below 40, no matter who they play. It's like we're watching a Big Ten game. Like. It really does. <laughs> I mean, Iowa's over-unders are hilarious if you guys ever check out theirs. I mean, it's rarely over 30, but, I mean, the Steelers are getting to that point where they're kind of the Iowa of the NFL, unfortunately. Um, do not want to be that, by the way. I know Iowa's like 10-2 and two or something, or 9-2. and two, Still don't want to be that. You know, that's, no, why, no. that's why we're in the position we're in right now. No, so what do you think those odds are fair though, considering the situation with the Bengals? Yeah, I honestly, I'm you're you're gonna laugh, but like I'm kind of surprised the Steelers aren't favored by more, just, <laughs> just because their defense has has proven, like you said, they're bend but not break, and Burrow isn't there. We don't we don't know enough about Browning. We didn't see right, enough right. of him. He's he's the unknown at this point. He could come mm-hmm. out and ball out, uh, or he could suck. You know, there's just you just don't know. So I'm kind of surprised that the Steelers. Or I guess it is in Cincinnati, so maybe that's why. But I'm a little yeah, surprised. I think that's what it comes down to is that this is still a home game for the Bengals and the Steelers. Clearly, they're capable of losing to backup quarterbacks. This is not something that is uh, uncommon for them in general, and it just happened last week. So I think it's pretty fair that in a neutral field, which would give them about a three-point boost the other way, probably means that they still would favor them a little bit. Um, they still obviously are a very talented team, uh, still have a lot of weapons, all that stuff. It's just, you, again, you don't know what you're going to get out of the back of the quarterback. And that's what I want to jump into next here. Uh, Joe Burrow out, Jake Browning in. What can you tell us about Jake Browning at this point? I actually know more about him than I probably should because I'm a freak sometimes when it comes oh, to the drafts geez. and stuff like that. Um, but what do you? what's your impression of him briefly from what you've seen? And do you have, you know, what's your confidence level that he can at least run the offense to a certain degree? He's been with the team, I believe, since 2021. He was on the practice squad. Brandon Allen was their backup the past couple of years, so he yep. never got on the field. I think he might have suited up for like one game when Burrow sat, when they sat their starters at the end yeah. of the year. But he threw his first pass in the Thursday night game. Um, we just the preseason. You know, you can't you can't tell what a guy's going to. Oh, you, I know that after the the preseason, Kenny Pickett had. I know you can't <laughs> oh, no. tell anything. Yeah, <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir here, aren't I? Yeah, so, yeah. No, I've got. Browning. They brought in Trevor Simeon in the offseason, and that was supposed to be like the guy who everyone thought was going to win the backup job because they wanted to have a good backup behind Burrow in case something like this happened. They figured our cluster's good enough. This is the last year. We might have T Higgins. We might have Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon. They wanted to make sure that if he went down and even just missed a few games, that they had someone who could step in. And then Browning outplayed Simeon in the preseason, which not, I wouldn't say outplayed. So I wouldn't say that Browning really earned the job as much as Simeon lost the job, but we just, I, he looked he looked fine on Thursday night in this in a bad situation. Um, I I don't really know enough about him. He made some good throws, but he also held on to the ball too long, and it's going to be his first start. So we'll see. That's kind of where I'm at with it too. Is 
you know, I watched him at Washington uh, when he came out of college. So actually he was somebody that I, I didn't scout per se, cause I wasn't really doing major work with the draft at that point, but I watched a lot of his film because there was also whenever um, John, uh, John Ross was there as well. Um, the former Bengals oh, receiver. Yeah. Um, he uh, basically, my, my summation of him in college was he is a quarterback that is a good athlete who runs around, makes plays and throws the ball up to whoever happens to be there. A lot of the time. Um, usually it was his teammates because he played on a pretty good Washington team. Sometimes it, sometimes it was not his teammates. And I think that's kind of the thing with him is I think he's a high-variance backup quarterback, which means that there's going to be weeks possibly where if everything goes his way, he might be able to throw for 250 yards and two touchdowns and, and come away with a win um, just based on just throwing the ball up to his teammates and letting them make a play. Other weeks he runs around too much and gets sacked you know, nine times or something like that and probably turns the ball over a couple of times. And that's where I think with the Bengals, you know, at least there's a potential with him where he's going to give his guys chances to make plays, I think. And a lot of backups won't do that. I'm in that situation right now with the guys that we have, if Kenny went down, where I, I trust that he's going to give them chances. It's just are they going to be good chances? With, with his arm strength, that's his biggest weakness. Is sometimes he doesn't realize that he has a pea shooter uh, attached to his, his shoulder and not a, a rocket launcher. And I worry for you guys, especially down the rest, rest of the season, you might see some moon balls that go to seemingly nowhere except for a safety sitting in the middle of the field. Yeah. That's something you might have to worry yeah. about. So um, I do think that he he at least – I think he's a functional player. I, I do think so. I don't think he's one of those backups that like shouldn't actually be on the team necessarily. I do think that running this offense the way that Zach Taylor usually has Burrow do it is not going to work. No. You cannot ask him no. to do most of the things that Burrow is asked to do because it's really his show most of the time. Yeah. Watching you guys. So it, it's going to have to be different. I do wonder, is Taylor the kind of guy that can do that? I, I've always had questions about him as a head yeah, coach. And you and everybody else. Uh, yeah. I, I think obviously he's done a good enough job, you know, getting Burrow and Chase and every, like it helps for sure. But I think he's done a good enough job as a head coach. It's But this is going to be a big test for him. Can he keep this team going and actually seem, you know, competitive at least down the stretch yeah. while they figure out what they're going to do next year. Well, and and something that's working for Browning is the talent that they have on offense yes, too. Yes, exactly. It, he's got Chase, Higgins, Boyd. He, you couldn't ask for a better wide receiver group to throw to. I know you're over there like, oh, really? But especially because Boyd's yeah. a pit guy, but like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've always liked Pitt. So I've always liked Boyd. That's working in his favor. And they also have Tanner Hudson, who's a tight end that's kind of come up in the last couple of weeks. That they yes. Um, they have some some young rookie wide receivers who could get some work in Trenton Irwin. There's so many good players that hopefully they're going to help him make plays. But can he make those plays? That's that's what we don't know. Yeah. That's And that's why I was saying before, like I think there's going to be weeks down the stretch where – there are plays made because he's going to give these guys chances. It's just that I worry about the quality of those yes, chances. Uh, yeah, fair and, point. Yeah, that's that's probably going to be the question week to week: is are the good are the chances good or bad? And oftentimes, I'm just going to tell you, probably going to be look. It's probably going to look pretty ugly sometimes yeah, if you really you're try. You're not to do wrong. It. Yeah, but uh, I do have another comment here I wanted to address. So if the Steelers <laughs> lose to the Bengals, the season is over. Um, I actually don't think the season is over, but I do think it means that this team is exactly who they are right they now. They are who we not thought they were. Yeah. Exactly. They will not be different this year, I think is a good way to put it. I don't think anything is going to change enough down the stretch if they were to lose these two games that once once the backups come in for quarterbacks, you kind of have to assume your team at mostly full strength has to be able to go win those games, even on the road. Yeah, We've already gone 0-1. If we go 0-2 mm. – it's definitely a huge indictment yeah. of this team, so I will I will give you that. I think there. if you flip that, 
if the Bengals lose this game, then yes, their season is over for sure. They'd be, they be five I, yeah. and six with a backup quarterback. A pretty tough schedule, I think, for sure. But Steelers, I wouldn't hit the panic button quite yet. No, our our schedule is a little bit. You know, there's a couple of tough games at the end there, especially the Ravens and Seahawks. If those games matter for us for the playoff seating, the Ravens are right now. I mean, they could be in a position where they're resting their guys yeah. if, if they're they the keep one, winning. They're the one seed right now. Right, like with the Chiefs losing the Eagles, like they're in the in the driver's seat if they win out or if they get close to winning out, they're probably going to get the one seed. So I really think it matters how those teams finish. You know, the Seahawks too. I mean, they they're up and down. Lost to the Rams obviously is frustrating for, for them. I'm sure you know Geno Smith goes down, but the rest of the schedule isn't ter- terribly hard as long as we get to ten wins. I think we're going to be in. It's just can we get to those ten wins? So we'll see. Um, we'll talk about some matchups to watch here. So I think there's some some matchups on both sides that really benefit Steelers and the Bengals. I think it's pretty you know across the board. There's some good ones and bad ones for both sides. We'll talk about Alex Highsmith and T.J. Watt versus Orlando Brown Jr. and Jonah Williams. Now, I will tell you, and I feel like this has kind of been, at least from what I've been able to gather, vindicated to a certain degree. I was not a fan of the move for Orlando Brown Jr. for you guys. I did not think that he is a good enough pass protector for Joe Burrow to really get a huge difference in how that left tackle position was going to play for him because he is a guy that likes to make plays. He's really good under pressure. You know, he's going to run around a little bit, especially once his calf got healed and unfortunately didn't matter for too long. But I just didn't think that he was going to be a huge upgrade as an actual pass protector. And as far as I can tell, that has kind of rung true. Yeah, I, I'll be, I, I think Brown has been an improvement from what they had. They moved Jonah Williams to the right Williams side. To the right side. He's been better on right. Yes, tackle. he's he's definitely a better right tackle. Yeah, I, I know I will we're say talking that. about uh, Brown right now. Yeah. Brown Brown's issue is he just gives up a lot of pressures. He does. And, and I think if you ask Bengals fans to honestly answer, they probably say they're disappointed with the production so far this year. The tackles haven't been the issue on the O line though. No, it's been the interior Volson yeah. especially, right? Cordell Volson's just abysmal. I don't think uh, he's an NFL player personally, but he, he had a, a respectable rookie year for being a fourth, uh, fourth round. Rookie. Yeah. You live with that for a rookie. And, yeah. and then I think they got kind of like, Oh, he's, he, he can, he can hold his own, but he, we've seen, he cannot. Um, and that's been the issue is, and this, the sad thing is, is this was the best O-line that Burrow hat has had, and it still wasn't good enough. And that's, that's a problem that the Bengals continue to see is he keeps getting hit and hurt because they can't protect him. And I think O-line plays down across the league. It's not just a problem. It is. It but is. for the Bengals, you, you spend all this money on these guys and they're not getting the job done. And it, it's, it may not change. And now you paid Burrow and, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, and again, I think yeah, Orlando's played better than I think Williams played a left tackle last year. But again, the point for me is if you're going to spend that amount of money on a free agent left tackle. Now, again, it's very hard to find quality offensive linemen for agency. So when they are there, you have to overpay them, right? So I I understand that. But I didn't feel like he was the right type of tackle to put on the blind side for Burrow because he had a pressure sometimes. And I would argue, too, some of it was to kind of take a shot at the Chiefs more than it was – 
I think yeah. they did it because it was going to help their team, but I think they were like, ooh, we can get back at the Chiefs. We can steal their guy, you know. I think there was a lot of pettiness in it. It definitely could have been. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, now they've had the, they had to pivot to uh, their tackles now, which have not been as good as probably you guys hope them to be. But the Chiefs, not that they've been the biggest issue. I would say that's your receivers, but that's for a different show. Uh, that's what I'll probably yeah, do. No, we don't need to talk about that. No, yeah. But I, I think ultimately this, the line has been an issue for you guys. And I think that – both honestly both pass rushes i think have the advantage going into this game absolutely sure. 100%. and yeah so like highsmith especially he is a guy that orlando really is probably going to have a tough time with because he is much more of that twitchy you know mm-hmm. finesse rusher he's not going to try to go through his chest like other guys might have to do because they're power rushers he's going to have an advantage or anything and then tj is going to have the advantage on really every tackle he plays most of the time at least going into the game that, you know, you guys will chip him. You'll do all the stuff that every team does to him. But the pass rush could be really the biggest factor, as usually is for the Steelers and maybe for the Bengals here too. Agreed. Yeah, I think he nailed it. Yeah. Speaking of which, Dan Moore versus Trey Hendrickson. Uh, not good uh, for me, I will just say that. <laughs> I do not like that idea of that because he's already had some good games against us while he's been a Bengal. Um, he's been a really good player this year and really has, really since his breakout year with the Saints has been really good. The contract you guys got him for, some people were making fun of it even at the time because it was a breakout yeah. year. It's like, uh, like no, nah, his his tape was really good with the Saints. Like, And they didn't I, keep Carl Lawson. That was the big yep, thing. People were like, yeah. oh, but Carl Lawson, and now see how he, well that's gone for the Yeah, Jets. he can't play, unfortunately. He just doesn't play. Like, when he plays, he's good, just doesn't play. But no, Hendrickson has been great for you guys. I think it's really kind of up the, the – especially this, the floor of the defense, I would say. You guys definitely looking for more pass rush from other places, but he at least gives you that floor as, as a pass rusher. Yeah, he and he had a back in uh, no a hyperextended knee. There's been so many injuries I can't. Yeah, it's, yeah I think that's fine. Hyperextended yeah. knee, but he played on Thursday night. And he did. He yeah, it looked fine to me. Control him and uh, contain him in the second half, but I don't know if you'll you will have the same luck if. <laughs> Y'all that O line. He he tends to have good games in these AFC North matchups. So he does. We'll see. Yeah, I'll basically be looking for Dan Moore to hopefully get some help. Uh, I yeah. don't know how much yeah. he'll get, but I certainly hope that they do. A uh, couple quick comments here we have as well. Uh, <laughs> Bunksatani <laughs> Pickett is terrible, and the offense is more his fault than Canada. So I will say the last few weeks, I agree with that. I think there have been open receivers, even with the, the play calling, and Pickett's not seeing them, so I agree with that. Also, great nickname if you don't like uh Kenny Pickett, Punxsutawney Pickett, not bad. Uh, so <laughs> throw that. Out. I do agree though that Pickett's been a bigger issue. And then this is a big question too. I didn't even really talk about. Uh, will Art pay for a quality, innovative offensive coordinator? Will Coach T allow the new hire free reign? Time for both to be willing for a new approach. I am writing about next season, not now. I definitely agree with you. The questioning of that because the Steelers are pretty cheap when it comes to their coaching staff. They have one of the smallest coaching staffs consistently. They don't pay their guys a whole lot as far as the coordinators and the position coaches. It might be hard to lure, you know, even though it's a job that you theoretically would want for an organization like this, it's so loyal. It might be hard to pry away some guys that might have better opportunities elsewhere to kind of go up the ranks. So I certainly hope they look outside the organization and not just outside of it, but somebody who actually is either on the up and up or has a track record of being able to work with quarterbacks and work with offenses but I just can't really say that for sure. I can't really have any confidence about that knowing this team. So, But moving on to some other matchups here, I wanted to talk about Kenny Pickett versus the Bengals secondary. <laughs> um, they've given up a lot of passing yards for the past five games, specifically about 299.4 per game over the last five. 
Uh, but the Steelers can't throw the football. So like, what's, what's going to, you know, which <laughs> one is going to give this like week. something has to give there. So I think, you know, do you think that for example, they will be able to the Steelers speaking, be able to throw the ball on this team effectively if they actually allow Pickett to try to do so. Now, this is a hard question. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know because what the Bengals defense is good at is forcing turnovers. That's yes. about the only thing that they're good they're at. They're very similar to the Steelers this year in that they way. They really are. It, it's kind of crazy how their defense is kind of aligned. But I don't know. They just give up so many explosive plays. And I know Pickett, for all that we've been making fun of him, like he hits those ones at the end. And that's the exact kind of plays that the Bengals tend to give up. They get in against the Texans. They gave up seven explosive plays. And, and yeah, Stroud's been doing that to people. Turnover. Well, against the Ravens, they didn't force any. And you saw, we probably all watched that, all those plays. The Zay Flowers one that got called back, the OBJ one. Uh, I think their running back popped off a huge play. Like they, they give up these big chunk plays. Um, so can Pickett take advantage of that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's the problem. Is like I want to say that this is a team the Steelers can throw on if they want to, because clearly they are giving up a lot of yards. You know, they will probably force some turnovers if you try to throw the ball. On yeah, them too much. exactly. That's the but, risk there. Yeah, is, but and that's yeah. why I kind of lean back to saying they probably aren't going to throw the ball on them very much because they do not want to have turnovers. It is their number one strategy every week. Is we're going to first uh, force turnovers and our quarterback isn't going to turn the ball over. That's great until you have to score points. Yeah. There's a balance missing. And I've talked about this. I could say balance probably. I probably said balance about 100,000 times on the show the past year. There's a balance missing from how they approach the passing game and just offense in general where, yes, you do not want to put the ball in harm's way a ton because that leads to, to games where you just can't be in it because you, know, you look at the Bills this year. They've had games where as great as Allen is, his turnovers have been a problem. And those are the games where they aren't a problem, right? It's a balance there. Steelers don't want to do balance. They want to have full on, like, we're not going to turn the ball over. I don't care if we score 20 points only, we're not going to turn the ball over. And it just doesn't make sense, right? Especially against a team like this, that like your defense is going to have the advantage. You're playing a backup quarterback. Let that thing rip and see what happens. If you struggle early in the game, that's okay. Cause you struggle anyway. You don't score points in the first half of half your games. Anyway, try something else and see if you can get the passing game going. Cause if you get the passing game going against the Bengals with how they're beat up, and the fact that Browning is going to have to try to come back, you're going to be in the driver's seat anyway. It really, like, either way, you're not going to be behind the eight ball that much. And that's what's so frustrating, I would say. Yeah, well, if I'm, not, if I'm the Steelers, I'm running the ball. The Bengals' defense is awful against the run. That's, I mean, so they're going to be able run to the run the ball. Run. Yeah, run the ball. <laughs> this is a good, this is a fun one. Uh, Pickett will make the Bengals' <laughs> secondary look like Hall of Famers. The, you know, oh, I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know if we're going to throw the ball enough for them to have the chance to do that. That's kind of my point. Is like, even, even if, you know, Pickett could throw the ball on them. I don't think they're going to let him. And that's the ultimate issue is we don't know enough about him as a passer because we don't let him throw the football consistently. Like, it's like, oh, hey, just give it to him in the fourth quarter. Let him throw it then. It's like, what about the first three quarters? Are we not we're just not interested in getting him going? We're not interested in getting him in a rhythm? I don't think he's playing well, but it really feels like they don't care if he plays well. And that's my issue ultimately with this team is they don't seem to care about the right things. They only care about trying to drag out a 16 to 10 win that will mean nothing as soon as they get into the playoffs. Right. And then that's what's frustrating because like, like with the Bengals, you guys obviously have your own issues because of the burrow injury. But like if you were playing football, the style of the Steelers were, and you're still winning games, like you guys obviously won 10 games the regular season when you went to the Super Bowl against the Rams. If you'd have won those 10 games, the way the Steelers are winning 10 games, would you have felt comfortable going into the playoffs? No. 
No, because no, you have a quarterback that's a, that's an all, like all pro that you're not using properly, and we don't have a quarterback at all because we don't know if he's good or not because they refuse to find out. <laughs> like it's it's really maddening, and you know I don't want to ramble too much about it because I could for a while, but again, it's just it's it's a mess. It really is for a team that's six and four. I have never felt this poorly about a team that is two games above 500 this late into a season because you see the cracks. They just showed up bigger than ever last week. And I think that's why you see the big change that finally had to happen. But again, will it matter at the end of the year? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, last thing I want to get into with you, and this is just some keys to success and some game predictions for, for the game as well. So uh, oh, keys, yeah, keys to success for the Steelers, I'll do, and then you can give me your success uh, for the Bengals, like what they have to do if they want to win this game at home. Uh, my key to success on offense, I'll start. You have to be able to find a balance, and it can't just be the run game because we've seen how when they run the football really well, it, it helps, but they're still not scoring a lot of points. You have to be able to put up points on the Bengals just to give yourself a chance in case Browning does have a game where he does connect with his receivers. You have to worry about Chase, and and I'm assuming Higg- is Higgins going to be good to go for this game? Uh, don't know yet. Okay. We'll find out more. Right, but yeah, if he's if he's good, you know, Boyd, he's, the backup receivers are also guys that I worry about because they've made plays for this team before, mm-hmm. like you talked about. Like you have to be able to score in case Browning does get something going with these guys because it's totally possible. More possible than it was for the Browns, honestly, I think, if we're being honest about it. Can they bounce things out and get Pickett going early so that way they can go to the pass if they have to? If you don't, I think we're going to see a similar situation that we saw this past week where, yeah, you have a lot of rushing yards, you have 10 points. So who really cares, right? That, that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, what do you think for the Bengals to be a successful offensively? What do they have to do? Oh, man. No, the O-line's got to protect that. It's just so hard. This game is so different now that Burrow's not going to be out there. It is. It's very um, different. So it's 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 hard because it's like we don't know what we're going to get from Browning. I The keys to success, he just needs to not make mistakes. I yeah. think would be the Protect the football. Protect the football. You know, he doesn't need to be a rock star. Put up. I, I would say even if he threw for under 200 and threw for a touchdown and, you know, maybe, maybe had Joe Mixon run one in. That's going to be probably enough points to beat the Steelers. So unfortunately, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with that. I, yeah. I actually, I actually feel like you guys almost want to play kind of. I don't want to say this, but kind of how the Steelers play in terms yeah. of being conservative. Yeah, because you can get yards on this on this defense. They'll give you yards. It's just they won't let you score once you get down there. And if you guys have make the right plays in those situations, if Browning can make a couple good reads in the red zone, you might be in business. Because again, yeah. you score twenty points. I have a hard time thinking you guys lose. That's the benchmark. You score 20 points, you're probably going to win. And unfortunately, that's every game with the Steelers. So not not news there for anybody listening. But you, you really need to be able to con- protect the football because that's what the Steelers do. They want to take the football away from you. That's their identity on defense. If you can avoid that, you're always going to have a chance against this team, regardless of how good or bad you are, honestly. Um, on defense, I want to just, again, you have to take the football away, right? That's the Steelers. The whole thing the Steelers do is they're like, okay, we'll let you have yards. Our secondary is not very good. There's going to be gaps. But when you need a play, we're going to be there to take the ball away from you. It seems like quarterbacks love throwing them the ball right in their hands at the end of games for some reason or another. Um, and that's what they're going to need again. There's probably going to be a situation in this game where the Steelers are either losing or they're, or they're about to lose if they give up points and they make a play. That's what the that's what it's going to come down to most likely. Yeah, and same for the Bengals defensively. Yeah. Take the ball away, give your offense better field position and better yeah. opportunities. To More score opportunities sure. to score too because yeah. your backup quarterback's going to need all the help he can get. 
Yeah, I, I think it's weird how similar these teams are now that you have a backup it, quarterback. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and and would you rather have Pickett or the unknown with Browning? I know everyone in these comments is going to be like, "Oh, we want Browning." And Probably, like, yeah. Which again, yeah. I I don't know if I can really disagree with that. Unfortunately, I think that oh. like again, it's we've seen it so much his first two years, year and a half now that like he just can't put the ball in the end zone with this offense. I mean, he has. I saw a stat, and it's it's hilarious, but it's it's also sad. He's, I think, since at least two thousand. I think it said that he's the only quarterback with over five hundred passing attempts and has thrown a touchdown on less than two percent of his passes. It, it's just mind-boggling how not good he is at throwing the football into the end zone. And he's he's had some opportunities missed even last year and this year where like it probably wasn't him necessarily, but it just seems so hard for this team to score that it's really hard for me to think that if they don't get turnovers on defense and they don't play a clean game, that they can win a football game right now. And even when they did that against the Browns, I mean, they didn't have any turnovers. They ran the ball really well. It just didn't matter because they threw for hundred yards and couldn't complete a pass when the game was on the line. Like that's what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I totally agree with you there. Uh, last thing we're going to do here, game predictions. Um, no this way. one's tough because like, who knows what the scores of this, of this game is going to be, but I'll, I'll give my best shot. Um, I'll start. I'm going to say that I will, I'm going to pick the Steelers to win this because I think the, the energy from losing Canada, moving to a new offense coordinator, I think Kenny to a certain degree, even if it's nothing special, he's at least going to be rejuvenated a little bit. I think he's going to be more excited about what the offense could be. I'm hoping that gives him a jolt to kind of get him back to playing a little bit more like how he was early in the season where he still wasn't pretty, but he was thrown for 200 yards and, you know, a touchdown here or there. Like it was at least passable compared to recently. Um, but I'm going to say 20 to 13 Steelers. So still under the under amount, but I think that they can get it done that way. Okay. Um, you know, a week ago, I would have picked the Bengals all day. I probably would have too. No, yeah. you know, <laughs> so. I think, and, and I know you probably would have too. And a lot of people again in these comments probably would have, but it, we don't know what Browning's going to do. I actually agree with you that I think the Steelers are going to get to 20 points, which is a, a lot for them. Like let's, is, not, let's not take that away from them. I'll go 2017 Steelers. I think, yeah, I wish I could pick the Bengals. I just, I don't. I don't have enough information. If we'd seen Browning play a game and knew if he sucked or was good, I could maybe feel more comfortable right. picking. Um, I think they'll have like a key turnover that helps maybe close the gap a little bit, but I don't think they're going to be able to come out victorious at home. Yeah, that's that's tough, but I, I do think that this is a game the Steelers are just kind of not destined to win. I hate to say that word, but – Oh, definitely it, don't say that. <laughs> it, it, it makes a it makes a lot of sense for them yeah. to for them to win a game like this because with everything going on with them, the lo- the loss, like they tend yeah. to come back really strong from losses. Bengals are reeling with Burrow injury, like everything is lining yeah. up for us to win, which means we probably won't. So there's more <laughs> pressure for Steelers to win too. Oh, for sure. No for one's sure. really expecting the Bengals. I don't think the Bengals are going to be winless the rest of the year, but I think no Bengals but. don't have pressure anymore because they don't have Burrow. They're five and five. The Steelers can still make the playoffs right now they're in it yeah. so there's definitely more pressure on you it's how are they going to handle that I, I totally agree i think that this is not like the Bengals are like dead in the water necessarily without burrow in terms of being able to win any games it's they just the fact that they can win a few more they can For and sure. i mean the, obviously there was an indictment of the fact that like you let burrow out there and kind of get his, his ass beat for the first four games uh, with, with the calf injury. So like uh, clearly they weren't confident about browning then or else they would have let him play yeah exactly but it's still like you're going to have a chance to win some of these games. Steelers are certainly winnable. Both games are going to be winnable for really any team, unfortunately. Like I said, it's kind of how they play. We'll see how that plays out. But 
I would, thank you so much for joining me, Lee. Definitely, yeah, uh, I wanted to do make sure, yeah, make sure we have a Bengals person on. I'm gonna try to have a person on from the teams which Steelers are playing for the weeks that Tommy's out. So definitely look out for that, guys. You know, if there's anybody you know, even in the comments, like if there's somebody that is a big uh, Cardinals, I think Patriots are the next two games for us after you guys. So if you know anybody from those teams that you'd really love to have on, I could reach out. But otherwise, thank you guys so much for joining us today. We go live on usually every Wednesday at 1.30 p.m., but today I wanted to get on. Uh, so you could be on leave for Tuesday. I will probably be back on Wednesday, though, guys, just so you know, doing a little bit of just a breakdown of the game. It's past week previewing more of the Bengals stuff in depth tomorrow. Uh, stuff. look for that. Uh, thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow me at Shane Kubis on Twitter. Um, Lee, if you want to, you can throw out your handle for Twitter if you'd like. It's up to you. <laughs> no worries. Okay, no problem there. Um, you can also download the Still Curtain podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, uh, excuse me, also check us out on YouTube or ask Alexa to play the Still Curtain podcast. Thanks for listening to the Still Curtain podcast, and we'll see you guys either tomorrow, like I said, possibly, or if not, next week. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.